Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, the last month of 2019 rolls in with a long-overdue Rich and Bolelli episode, a nearly non-stop flow of true stories, including the surprise return from a lost and found, interconnectedness everywhere we look, Sending yourself to college the economic Bolelli way. Sitting Bull, Krishnamurti, and getting ever better at moving to the beat of the universe. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. It's the early December episode for nine, 1999. Where am I, Prince? For 2019? <laughs> Across from me, as always, my pal, Daniele Bolelli. Hello, hello. Hello. Shall we get this episode going? Yes, we're going to fly through these. So let's give thanks to onnit.com forward slash Taoist. Again, onnit.com forward slash Taoist. Rich just walked in here and was uh, spent the night working like a dog and was like... Had nothing left. What could we do? Easy solution. The peach-flavored, delicious Insto Alpha Brain. And man, I'm ready for another full day of editing when I get done with this. Yes, that thing is awesome. I really like that. You know the difference? My energy is different. I think I was a little bit sleepy on the long drive. You know what it is? It does kind of have a coffee effect of waking you up, but without the jitteriness and stuff. So it's focus without the jitters. Yeah, I love it. Is so Alpha Brain in powder. It's the way to go. Never mind the ten thousand other products that on it has. Check them out. Uh, again, onnit.com forward slash Taoist. As usual, getting, big thanks ev- to furdesigntshirts.com. They're awesome. They make also our shirts. And so getting if you're ever interested, better by the way, you get the any of the shirts designed and by Savannah every, for Drunken Taoist Podcast. They and getting are ever better and moving to the speed of the universe. Yes, exactly. Epic. Uh, we're running a little short on some sizes and colors. So I have to talk to short design again, but yes. Um, we come it's me, Bennett. Ooh. Yeah, Bennett is the man. How about the boys? Ooh. Yeah, I uh, Bennett. I miss Bennett. Bennett is weird. He's like he's the one guy who I've never met physically because we always like exchange seven million messages on the that internet ocean and separating you. Yes, and I regret that it would have been great to be able to go to Thailand and meet him. He's one guy that I've never physically met who I probably had the closest connection of anybody I haven't physically met with. He's such a good guy. And it sucks, you know, out of all the fucking people who could have died, instead, Bennett? Ah, That does not make me happy about the nature of the universe. But in any case, Bennett, you're the man. We love you. Perhaps he had a mission elsewhere. That's the only thing that I can hope for. 
Big thank you to grasslandbeef.com, who has been keeping us well fed. No question. No, I haven't busted out yet. We're we're doing a a non-traditional Thanksgiving, and the bison uh, burger will be a part of it. Beautiful. I love that. Grasslandbeef.com. It's pretty damn awesome. If you are not vegetarian, check it out. (laughs) Because if you are... Yeah, you're kind of out of luck. The pimlican is not going to agree with you. No. The um, <laughs> shout out also to Snow Roast Coffee, snowroast.com, uh, code TAO, T A O, the number 18, for a discount. They make small batch coffee in Colorado. Sweet, check them out. Shout out also to nevertapgear.com, Rush Guard, uh, knee braces for working out, Jiu Jitsu Journal, that if you train Jiu Jitsu, you should check out their link and their explanation. They even talk about it on Rogan's podcast recently. Is that a paper thing or is that it? online? In uh, The journal is uh, an actual physical thing. book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That sounds it's, pretty cool. Um, and I guess our Amazon link. If you guys shop on Amazon, please use our link. It helps us a bunch without costing you any extra. So click on the damn Amazon link. It will take you to the page. And whatever you shop from there forward, we got a little cut, which helps. Christmas time. Keep the cards. Get them to your bratty nieces and nephews. Teach them a little lesson about sharing and helping. And they'll get the money back eventually. Most likely. Beautiful. Let's get down with the episode. <laughs> So I hear, uh, I hear you have a crazy story to I got, tell I me. Got, I got a phone call the other day. Do tell. <clears throat> phone rings. California number. Don't recognize it. And I do have a pretty good record of not answering Yes, that, that would be my policy. But I answered it. Oh, why? I don't know. Okay. Sometimes I do. Okay. And uh, you know what? It's because it wasn't like, I don't know if you get like the spoof numbers where it's like very close to your number. Oh, yeah. Then you know it's crap. Then you know it's bullshit. And this wasn't that. And, uh, you know, I had a minute, so I picked up the phone. And the guy's like, hey, uh, you don't know me, but I have something of yours. Okay. And I have my favorite hat with my pork pie, uh, a straw hat that I'd worn for years. I'd lost it in movie theater mm-hmm. about three months ago. Okay. I was like, oh. Make it be that. I said, does it rhyme with hat? He said, no, it, it rhymes with jacket. I had this gray leather jacket that I had not even seen anybody else have it ever. Right. And sometime last year, I lost it. And I searched and I searched. Nothing. Went no. everywhere I thought it could have been. Nobody, nothing. And just finally figured, actually hoped that whoever found it would enjoy it and sure. put it to good use. Right. At that point, what else can you do? Yeah. So he says, uh, I have this gray leather jacket that's been in our lost and found for a while. And we sort of lost track. And uh, whoever found it, they tell him, we're going to put it here for six months. And if anybody shows up or if nobody shows up, you can have it. So he offered it to the guy I found. He's like, nah, I don't really want it. And he said, well. I just decided to do one more little search because I'd gone through like the main yeah. pockets. Well, this has like a little <clears throat> tiny, like you wouldn't even notice it if you didn't know it was there, but it's full of business cards. Oh. And he's like, yeah, man, I got your jacket. You lucky bastard. Now, here's the crazy part. This was uh, on the old United Artists lot. They call it the lot. Right. Down in West Hollywood now. And uh, that's where we did the Apollo movie. 
And I had gone there after we recorded to deliver persimmons to the security yeah. guys that were my friends. Right. I was literally 40 feet away from this guy's office. And he called me two days later. That is so cool. Isn't that crazy? That's, that is very cool. Yeah. Well, it's also nice to think there are sweet people out there who, uh, you know, because it's like, oh, it's a cool jacket. I'll keep it. You know, instead um, did a search, found the card and like, ah, let's call the poor bastard. Yeah. I had it once with a computer. Somebody really? left their laptop in a classroom. Everybody left. Actually, it happened twice. Twice I ended up with a laptop in my hands. But both times, I mean, as you well know my policies, I have zero problem with the removal of corporate property from corporate ownership. Absolutely. However, when it comes to individuals, no. You know, both times I was like, when I opened the computer, I found who it was real fast. And so I called the guy because there was this number, there was everything in there and he came back to get it. And then the other time I couldn't find it. So I just made sure he went to the official lost and found of campus. And then, you know, that's the easiest. Uh, that's the easiest. Plus, like a computer is kind of difficult. Who knows what sort of shady shit that person has been doing that computer. Dar but, right. You know, that would make me nervous. Um I'd like to think also that not even two weeks earlier, Gretchen has huge amounts of stuff that she had collected over her mm -hmm. Salvation Army days that she eBays now. And we came out with this jacket, this more like a blazer sort of mm -hmm. thing, and looked it up $4,000. Are you serious? Yeah, it was sweet. Jesus. Who the hell pays four thousand dollars for? See, and I was, I was that too. I was like, I could never imagine being in a situation where that would happen. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool, I guess, if you could do it, but I just, I don't think I could ever. You know, I'm kind of okay. Yeah, that's. But it was nice. Don't get me wrong. If this was four thousand dollars, the the money was in the material, and it was an impressive. No, I thing. get. I mean, I appreciate it. That's sweet, but still, I don't wouldn't pay four thousand dollars for. I don't know. And this gentleman was obviously nervous about it because we did a pocket search. Yeah. And inside was a little green piece of paper. Of course. It's a mushumi with a phone number and address on it. And uh, we called it and mushumi hey. doesn't have that phone number anymore. Oh, well. But I can't help but think that if I'd been super greedy, corporate, yeah, take yeah. everything for everybody Just bastard, my good fortune with my jacket would not have come around to me. Very like, I mean, again, who the hell knows, right? Because you do see some evil bastards who exploit get everyone else, get away with everything. So <laughs> no, it's I like... I can't think of any examples. But, <laughs> but I don't, you know, it's, it's, you do it for yourself too. It's yes. like, this is how you want to live. That's your own code of conduct. And it doesn't matter ultimately whether it, um, you know, you gain or you lose from it. It's like, it's, it's how you want to live. That's never the, that's never the plan behind it, you know? Yeah. Just do it because it's the fucking right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking I another oh, portion of that. Oh, do tell. And this is just, you know, my endless, <laughs> the soil studies mm -hmm. that I'm learning about right now. Yep. All these new microbial, yep. you know, stuff that everybody ignored for all these years. There's a scientist who's been researching this stuff for like a decade at least. Mm -hmm. And he's discovering incredible things about how all this works. The interconnectedness is beyond oh, yeah. what anybody ever dreamed it would be. To the point where fungus and bacteria almost create, I wish I had the right word now, but almost um, organelles mm -hmm. of different species of things to work out communication and distribution of uh, nutrients. I think 
what you're bringing up is something that to me you see in every damn aspect of life, right? To me, interconnectedness is the name of the game. It's like a web. You see it in everything inside our bodies, yep. inside. I mean, in some cases, it's also why it's hard to figure out causes of things. Like, for example, there does seem to be a dramatic increase on uh, autism, ADHD, all of that stuff. Partially, maybe because of diagnosing that people are more ready to. But partially. And shit, we pump in the atmosphere. Well, the and that's the other thing. And it's everywhere like, and... How do you determine which one? Because probably there are so many factors that go into it. You yeah. know, the same people can be exposed to the same crap and the same way as one guy can smoke two packs a day and lives until he's 95 and the other guy barely touch anything and gets lung cancer. Yeah. That's kind of how it is. It's not, it's not a one-to-one ratio when there's one thing that causes one outcome. is a mix of things yep. that create outcomes, both good and bad. I mean, in this case, we're looking at pathology as something that creates a problem. And again, usually it's not just, oh, you ate the crappy food. It's you ate the crappy food. And then you are particularly sensitive to those chemicals that are in your environment. Yep. And then you have this. And, then, and, you know, the 12 things put together create an outcome. It's totally correct. And these are like positive outcomes too. That's what's really interesting about it is these plants, in, when they're having their most distressful time, say like a drought's going down sure. or something like that, the plants who, you know, that's where it starts. They scoop the light photosynthesis, turn it into proteins and sugars. If it is a distressing time for their microbial community, they'll put 90% of what they produce out into the soil mm-hmm. to make sure their uh, little allies also survive care of, of course in the hard times yeah and then when it's like a boom time like weather like this going right now they that's when they build their roots and sort of collect their own and even then they're putting 30 percent out into the soil but it's just god it's a perfect example of how we ought to try to run things well and i mean is like the opposite end of the spectrum the lack of interconnectedness and this i mean to me is a philosophical disease among others because it's really not understanding the way life works but that illusion that you can, as long as I can keep piling up for myself, everything is going to work out. Yeah. When you do it at the expense of the environment you live in, the conditions that make life possible, you're trapped in an illusion because there is no you winning while you're screwing up everything around you. You know, if you're poisoning the water you drink and the air you breathe, you get in more and bigger and bigger house, you're really not seeing the writing on the wall there. You know, you're you're really missing the point. That's just madness. That is true madness. But I think it's to me it interested me because it's, you know, we can dismiss it as uh, oh this guy's a damas. Sure. But I also think there's uh, societal issues that make him that way yeah and i would even dare to say philosophical in that regard because it's really a lack of understanding that you know so much of our philosophy has been built on specializing separating neatly dividing in separate categories breaking down knowledge in separate fields which i get it because there's a power in specializing in something you know you become the expert in that one thing but the one thing that really make it all work is a global vision, is being able to put this field and that field and that field and that field all together to the point where they deliver maximum. Because sometimes, you know, we have this idea that if it works for this one little box, I'm happy because that's what I focus on without realizing that that one little thing is tied to 25 other little things. And unless they are all taken care of, it's not going to work long term. Yeah. You can get lucky short term, sure, but it's not going to really work long term. 
you can become uh, the greatest basketball player in the universe. But if you don't click with your team, you know, you, you may win the most MVP points, something. you know, something, yeah. but you're not going to, you know, it's not going to work. You can have, this applies to everything. It and does. I really think in that regard that like making, making a point of emphasizing this team that you're addressing, the interconnectedness of it all is key because it doesn't apply appropriately. It doesn't apply to one thing. It applies to all things. Find me one field in which interconnectedness doesn't help. Whether it's a doctor looking at the body, yeah. you know, where suddenly you realize that the problem, the localized problem in one part of your body is really tied to a much bigger systemic issue. Whether it is uh, soil that you grow, whether it soil is... Soil is a perfect example because, you know, name something that exists on this planet that is not directly affected by it. Mm -hmm. We are all affected by it. Absolutely. And we've murdered our microbes. Luckily, they're hardy. Like, you can kill a trillion of them, but there's still going to be a few left. Right. And when they, when the, when everything's going right again, when, when the conditions are appropriate, they fire right back up and they get right back to it. And they're happy to do it. It's funny. You think that these hundreds of thousands of little micro bio machines cranking away at all the stuff that, that has to be degraded and brought back into the soil to make it possible for the plant to use it again. Yep. I mean, it's this amazing network. And the fact that it, to see it has an intelligence isn't the right thing, but there is an awareness of some kind. Yep. That these billions of little cells, yeah, they're separate, but they have a common goal. Yep. And are actually receiving orders almost. Sure. There's a passing of something, something. And we don't understand. And that's why even scientifically is a theme that is interesting to explore even further. Philosophically, scientifically, on every level, that theme is key. And I think so much of what, so many of our problems today boil down to something as seemingly abstract and ultra-philosophical as the theme of interconnectedness. I really think when you go back to it, a lot goes, goes down to this point. Even, I mean, even our favorite pet peeve topic lately, you know, this idea of people who can be super successful, but their idea of success is, you know, bigger, my house, lock the door, bolt it, and then they are lonely as hell. Yep. Right? So that point is like, you're still missing the point because your success cut away from all like social interaction of people that you truly are friendship with, that you truly exchange with. It's an illusion. It's an illusion of happiness. It's not really going to deliver the goods. And so even that's a level where the idea of private success completely removed from your context. And by context, I mean even social context, other people, friendship with other people is not success. No, it's a disaster in the long run, too, because once you cut yourself away from that and you lose all those interactions, yep. then you start thinking crazy thoughts. Oh, yeah. And you got nobody there to call you on your shit, which seems to be a problem with a lot of successful folks is that once you get to the point where people are afraid to, hey, man, that may not be a good idea, you're fired, you know? Yeah, of course. Then, then you're stuck and up they go. I don't know. I don't have a solution for you, but I think, you know, the planet's not really worried about it. There's a great, uh, I'm picking while we chat, um, I dug up my Create Your Own Religion book mm -hmm. because I remember hammering on this theme of interconnectedness a lot in it because it's, you know, since that Create Your Own Religion to me is like uh, sort of my philosophical worldview, that theme shows up a bunch. And there's one thing that I just 
as I was speaking through the notes, remember of there's all Lakota ceremonies. You know, you go to a sweat lodge, you go to one of the things they say at the end of it is always this sentence, mitakoyazin, which literally means Don't trust the white people. <laughs> that's the that's next. Oh. <laughs> no, it's uh, for, for all my relations. And basically what you're doing is that you're acknowledging that you're related to everything. Uh, you're related to everything and everyone to one degree. So you are, you are acknowledging this idea that, of, again, it goes back to interconnectedness, right? On a very, on a very real kind of way. So it's, uh, yeah, peeking through this stuff is, uh, it shows up everywhere. And um, I don't know, man, it's one of those themes that I really think, I don't use the word philosophical very often because to me it's like, what do you mean? It's, there's reality, there's life. And yeah, ideas as they apply to life. These two, but in this case, I really think that in some way it starts from a, from a mistaken worldview from, you know, a worldview that emphasizes separation and, you know, it's like, I want more plants to grow. So I'm going to bomb that field with fertilizer and more plants are going to grow. It's such a simplistic model that you don't realize the long-term stuff and the fact that there are better ways to work with it through interconnectedness. And again, that applies to this issue. It applies to medicine. It applies to social interaction. It applies to pretty much anything you can think of. Well, and then you have folks setting their ways, which is really a difficulty because we did, we, uh, Ventura, Ventura County did farm tours a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago and we went all over the place. And let me tell you, the, the strawberry folks don't want to hear a damn thing about <laughs> right? <It's like laughs> non-fertilizer. Screw your guy, of no, course. And they do have it figured out, man. They use those coconut husks and they grow the fuck out of strawberries and they get three seasons out of that a year. Right. Ventura County, care to guess how much money in just strawberries? Oh, I'm sure. $680 million. I'm sure. That's a lot of goddamn strawberries. That's a lot of goddamn strawberries. But then again, it's like, do they taste as good as the one you have in your garden? Or how does it work? I don't know. These guys are pretty good. Like, they are, they do it. some of these companies. They, so what do you... Like, so, okay. It's outside, it's sunshine. I mean, that might be the kind of the difference. I think the hothouse stuff is a little different, but I learned about those too. Like, some of those massive... Right. I think 22 acres, they wouldn't let us inside, but they let us look through the glass and they actually opened the door and it looked like something from a sci-fi movie, just rows and rows as far as you could see in a little door and the other, like the inside of like right. some seed ship in space. And the tomatoes grow. They've got their, oh, they've got hives of bees inside the inside. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just so brilliantly constructed solar panels, power and everything, all the pumps, all the water. It was amazing to see. Um, and I don't know why I was even mentioning. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, cause we're talking about how, you know, in this case, that would be the exception to the rule, like yes. a case where you can do something that's violating the principle of interconnectedness and you still it works. But And they were using a lot of properties again because like the genius of these trestled tomatoes, mm-hmm. well, these things are probably 40 foot tall. Well, they put them up into the sunshine right. when they're growing big time. And the only reason they come down is to make them easier to harvest. And they were growing the fuck out of them. And I- they were delicious because, you know, it's sunshine and... And water in um, hydroponic does a pretty good job. There is hothouse shit that sucks, for sure. Well, and I think that's also my point, is as much as I do think that some worldviews lead to better outcome, ultimately, I'm open to it. I'm not married to, you know, I'm not waving the, the interconnectedness banner. Everything is about it. You know, if you can show me that you can base it on a completely different model and it works, and there are no downside, and it's not, pff, screw it, take it. You know, I'm all for it. Yeah. 
So it's not to argue, again, even the something that I do think philosophically makes sense, such as the emphasis on interconnectedness, I'm not married to it. I'm married to what delivers the result. You know what I mean? I'm interested in if it works, I care about it. If it doesn't, I don't care how cool it sounds. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It just, in my experience, the interconnectedness seemed to work at an extremely high percentage of the time. It certainly does. And it's funny, you know, one sort of, as terrible as religion can be, the ones that are actually seem to be wanting to do good things and help others out do abide by that do unto others concept. And that's truly interconnectedness, that there are no strangers and we're here to help everybody. I'm going to jump into that in just one minute because I was just researching, you know, I was doing the, um, the Sitting Bull series mm -hmm. for History on Fire and that theme pops up a bit. Available but I'll Luminary. I'll, I'll read you. Oh, speaking of which, when, when are we releasing this? This is... Uh, this will be... Probably beginning of December. Yeah. Uh, it may just be out of the promotion because right now Luminary for two weeks, we're recording like in second half of November, but I think at the very beginning of December, one of the first few days, their promotion end. They are, they're basically doing a promotion where you pay half as much as you normally do for Luminary subscription. You can nice. sign up for a year. So that's not, a, it's only four bucks a month at that point. That's not a bad gig. No, that's reasonable. Yeah. So they've got history on fire or more they want. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to publicize the hell out of it because four bucks it seemed like come on you know you can but in any case so I'm gonna forty eight bucks for the year and you get all those that, and it's a great list all of history on, if even you like only history on fire yeah. that doesn't seem too bad no man I but think then, don't get me started yeah. if I could go back in time I'd I know grab Corolla I know. and Rogan and say a dime a piece motherfuckers yeah it's just, okay right ten for a dollar right 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 where yeah it's cheap but pay something pay right? something. I don't know. It was a bad moment. The I'll read you a piece from uh, Creator on Religion. I'm, there's a whole chapter toward the end that I'm talking about paradox. You know, the idea that philosophical is so much at the core of Taoism, so much is at the core of just my way of looking at things. The putting together things that people are not used to putting together, and hence that's why it looks paradoxical. So I have a part here that says, um, as uh, Gregory Bettenson indicated, the combination of powerful technologies and the dependence on a dualistic worldview is a recipe for disaster. The inflexible lines we draw between binary opposites reinforce a way of thinking built on separation. Trusting the reassuring lies of dualism, we end up truly believing our souls to be at war with our bodies, or strand to be incompatible with flexibility and tenderness. Worse yet, we forget how everything is interconnected. And this illusion to exist apart from nature leads to the destruction of the very things that make life possible. From quantum physics to ecology, modern sciences are showing us that the, with increasing clarity how dangerously misguided the illusion of separation is. Many of the problems we face today find their roots here. And that's when I go into the paradox thing. I'll give you two more lines to say. Paradox, then, is not just a rebellious act of provocation or a middle finger raised toward common sense. Rather, our little ninja is the philosophical stance most in tune with the process of life itself. It moves to the beat of the universe. It's the key to the deepest and most advanced form of consciousness. And that's where I hammer, again, more on a philosophical level because it's more the theory. And then the application, you really, you can apply to anything. That's the way I see it. That's why, in fact, it's the very last chapter, I believe, of Create Your Own Religion because it's like after I've done 
this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic. Like, if you have paid close attention, you may notice a common <laughs> theme here. here. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, your soil example fits perfectly with exactly, you know, that's one example of exactly this theme. Well, your soon-to-be new neighbor, the the, uh, the Krishna guys. Krishnamurti. Krishnamurti. He was very much, as soon as you join somebody, you've given it all away because you're no longer thinking for yourself anymore you're thinking for the team yeah that's one great thing about you know if you guys are not familiar with Jiddu Krishnamurti he his is a trippy story because he grew up in this society that like from when he was really young they identified him as this messiah the white Ted I mean as far as I know I should learn the story better but as far as I know they were kind of cultish but without like the super dark aspect that taught, but don't quote me on that because I'm not positive on that part. No of guitars the story. and no ladies off to the side. For yeah, the I'm, I'm not entirely sure, so I won't go there. But basically, he grew up with like thousands upon thousands of people believing that he's the Messiah. So you have everything handed to you, everything. And the thing that he does when he grows up is one of the first thing is like, "Are you guys fucking kidding me?" The Messiah. Not only he denies that he's the Messiah, but he's also denying that anybody can be, you know, he invites people to basically stop trusting in uh, master so-and-so, guru this, and his thing is like, ultimately, you need to become your own teacher. Now, you can have teachers, you know, people that, but they are more like guides yeah. who help you along the way, who tell you, hey, I've been down this path before, this is what happens, and they give you tips. But his thing is very much an emphasis on uh, rejecting external forms of authority and uh which is you know in fact no surprise bruce lee was a huge fan of krishnamurti applied his ideas to uh, the creation of jkd his philosophical approach to martial arts applied the ideas to his life and you know awesome so yeah i'm a big fan of uh krishnamurti books are very interesting you're gonna have to go visit it that place is awesome I haven't been. So. Really, that's where uh, that's where Gretchen's doing her herbal thing. They have a gigantic herbal garden that's split into. These are for the internals. This is for lady problems. This is for it's incredible. You know, one thing that I dig about Ohio. I'm not saying, by the way, just to clarify, Ohio as in the state. I'm talking about Ohio, tiny place uh, between LA and Santa Barbara. So, like, Rich, what's the problem with you today? Ohio. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, not that. The. Um, it's trippy because most small places, you know, you go anywhere around and you see a place where, you know, five to 10,000 people live. Sometimes it's amazing nature. They are beautiful. They are cute. But you're stuck with 10,000 people around you where it means the kind of opportunity that you have are not exactly the greatest. There's not much going on. Oh, I tend to have a bit of a different vibe to it. There seem to be a crazy proportion considering the numbers of people who are really good musicians, really good artists, really good... Like, people who seem to have a... People are drawn there. Yeah. It so does have an energy. Um, There's no... Quiet. I dig it, too. I so, never. And plus, it's got the darkest skies that you can get around here. Yeah. They canceled. They were going to build a 350,000 person settlement on the other side of, like, where Magic Mountain is. Okay, yeah. But that was going to light pollute all of of that valley. And the, the big scrape up yeah. there, do you know, like 80 nights a year, it, re, it catches a reflection of the sunset onto it because it's so far away and so tall, yeah. perfectly from the ocean, wow. that it glows orange and pink 
at sunset. It may have been the other day because oh, my yeah. mom sent me a picture and it was insanely beautiful. That's exactly that what place. it is. It yeah. does it a bunch. Yeah. I don't know. I love that place. Plus, it should have burned two years ago and it did not I was, because the wind did not blow. I know. It was really got really close. But, but yeah, in any case, so that's a cool, that's an exception. So nobody to go to Ohio. There's nothing yeah. good there. Ohio sucks. Stay away. It's like totally. San Luis Obispo County on their license plates. It says SLO County. You wouldn't like it. Here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but I guess going back to the other theme, you know, the interconnectedness on a personal level, on, a, you know, the taking care of each other aspect of it all. So there's, uh, in the process of doing this sprawling epic series about sitting, starts with sitting bull, then becomes the ghost dance, wounded knee, and all of that is, uh, you know, started out as two episodes, became three, became four, now it's five. Uh, by the time I'm done, it's going to be like 12 hours of stuff or something insane like that. But uh, there's one point that I figure you would dig, so I marked it for conversation. There's a tale where one journalist at one point asks Sitting Bull, why do his people, you know, what is at the roots of his uh, leadership? You know, why is that these people seem to look up to him? Because Sitting Bull is denying that he has any official authority, right? They keep saying, oh, you chief this and this. He's like, I'm not chief, I'm whatever, you know? It's like, so they're like, okay, you're, you're fucking with me because I see it. Everybody turn to you when there are decisions to be made. Everybody pay attention. What is that? Why do your people look up to you so much? And Sitting Bull replies with a question. He says, uh, he addressed the journalist and say, your people look up to men because they are rich, because they have much land, many lodges, and many women, right? And the journalist is like, yeah, sure. You know, when you are the big boss, you can. And to which Sitting Bull replied, my people look up to me because I'm poor. That is the difference. Now, what he means by that is that in the context of Lakota culture, a leader is supposed to constantly give away property to others in the tribe. You know, in many ways, that's the very purpose of gaining material wealth, is to give it away. Hell yes! Because, you know, it, his thing is like, as long as you have anything to eat, anybody who shows up at your door hungry, you feed them. Now, of course, this works easier in a small society where you more or less know everybody and there's a thousand people around you versus a city of 12 million where, you know, if you oh, feed every hungry person who shows up, you have like 3,000 people at your door and you're like, yeah, I'm going to run out real fast, you know. But still, the principle that's interesting there is this idea of, uh, you know, to him, Sitimbul may know, like, he struggled with it, like, because he went at one point on the Wild West show, so he was on this star on this. The Wild West show, by the way, was sort of like a, theater slash circus acts, basically movies before movies existed, where you would reenact some scenes from life in the Old West onto the stage. With, with real live Indians. With Is bison. Buffalo Bill with, Cody yeah, stuff? exactly. Yeah. It's massive production, like humongous, and uh, millions of people watch it at a time when there was no advertisement through TV, internet, radio, anything, they right? They went to it's Europe like, with it as well, They went to they? Europe. There was, uh, I forget which one, an English queen who had been semi-secluded for decades, came out just to see the Wild West show. Wow. It was one of those. And so Sitting Bull was exposed to a lot of things, right? He saw a lot of stuff around him. And one thing that he just made no sense to him was the... the a system in which accumulation of wealth rather than giving away was the way to do it, you know? 
And, uh, you know, in many cases, there were, he made pretty good money with the Wawa show. And he says that half of the time, by the time the day was done, he wouldn't have any because he gave it all. Like, he would see, like, straight kids who are begging and he would be like, it is for you, it is for you, it is for you. And to him, it's like, again, it's harder to make it work in a big society where the numbers of people you need to take care of increase dramatically compared to what one individual can do. Right, it needs to be larger than what one individual can take care of. But to him, that was the way of life. Right, it just didn't make sense to. It's like that's why you acquire property. You have some, and you enjoy that. But the rest is, hey, you help other people, and why? Because that's ultimately, you know, that's. It's not a cynical ploy of this is how I'm going to become a leader, but that's like what makes you a leader naturally is that you're taking care of your people. If you're taking care of your people, then you're a leader. It just it goes without saying. There's no, and if people decide that they don't want to follow you, they still don't have to. It's not that you become a leader like, oh, I gave away. So now I have all this power and I tell you all what to do. Is you take care of your people, you make wise choices. When there's a decision to be made, people turn to you to see what you got to say. Because you have a track record of making good choices and taking care of your people. And it's not fear-based. No. If you say something stupid, they tell you, uh, you know, we love you and all, but no, we're not doing that. And that's it. And so I, in some way, in fact, I mean, lately, I, there were quite a few people I've spoken with who, uh, you know, were struggling financially. And I was like, fuck, man, I wish I could make... Like, that's where I really like some moments where I wish I made crazy money because I would be like, uh, oh, my friend whose life could change dramatically with $70,000. Like, done. If you get it back to me, great. If you don't, you don't. Or even uh, $400 on the right week. I mean, it's just how... I don't know. I, I, I know... No, but that's why I say on, crazy on a, money because, yeah, you know, the, what you can do with... You can definitely help a bunch of people with 400 awesome. Right, to be but, able to do that, I think I would love to do that. I'm, I'm never going to be a good capitalist because I would never. I'm sure I said it a hundred times, but if I was Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, I would have the best compensated employees yeah. on the planet. Walmart, those motherfuckers. What sense does it make? And it wouldn't even affect you. Jeff Bezos with six hundred thousand people working for him. If he doubled their salary, it would only affect. He'd make four billion dollars less. This yeah, year. no, it's ridiculous. What yeah, the fuck is wrong with these people? There's a point. Um, I think there was a... Let me dig it up. There was a Rockefeller quote that was really interesting. Go get that oil, bitches. Um, a journalist asked uh, John D. Rockefeller once the obvious question, which is, how much is enough? And without missing a beat, Rockefeller replied, just a little bit more. Oh. There's the problem right there. And that's the addiction, right? Yeah. That's where it's at. Where one, more, you, one more little taste. Yeah, where you can't, it's never enough. You know, that's the windingo that we were talking about other times, right? Like yeah. this mythological demon that the more he eats, the more the hungrier he gets. That's the exact opposite of the sitting bull thing, you know. is. Uh, but, you know, you made a good point when you say, when I was like, I wish I made crazy money and 70000 I can give away without even thinking. That would be nice, of course. And the more money, the more you can help on a larger scale. Sure. So that's awesome. But you're right, because sometimes even on a small scale, like one thing I've done more than once when my money was fairly tight is um, 
I remember a couple of times people who had, uh, were buried under credit card debt and buried may mean really just hundreds of dollars for them because they just, if you don't have it, you don't have it, right? Yeah. So if you can pay the principal, it keeps adding up. So buried is a relative concept because, you know, somebody's buried with, they have no problem with $50,000 in debt and somebody's dying over with a 1000 Yeah, It all depends on the income. But twice, three times now that I think about it, three times I had a situation where I'm like, how much do you need? Uh, $2,000. I have an ex, I can do it. Can you please, I don't really have it. Like I have it physically, but I don't, I kind of need it. Can you get it back to me at some point? You know, zero interest, but rather than you spending the next two years trying to pay back $2,000 and then ending up having to pay 5000 by the time you're done because of interest. Can you promise me that you try to do what you can to give it back to me? They say yes. Every time I've done that, it all came back. It didn't come back fast at oh, no. all. In some cases, it was like, Jesus, man, it has been two years. Can I see some of that back, please? And, but they do it. You know, I'm not suggesting everybody will, because there will be the people who take advantage. But it felt so damn good. You know, it felt good because, I mean, it was scary because it's like, oh, I kind of need that money and I want it back at some point. But there was also a moment in doing it where you see how happy makes this other person, how much it helps them. How did they feel when they paid it back? Were they happy as well then too? Did yeah. that make them feel better to be out from under the yoke? Totally. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, and, and there's a moment there where you're like, okay, there's a chance that I'm never going to see it back. Of course. Well, you got to go in with that or you shouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, because essentially you're giving somebody a chance to prove themselves, to prove everybody that their word means something, you know, that if they say that they will do it, then they can do it. Sometimes people will fail. And so you have to be ready for that. But so far, the times when I've done it has always worked, made me feel incredibly good by being able to help somebody, made them, made their life better. And I was like, this is nice. This feels really damn good, you know? You know, if you want to give a swing at it yourself, go visit us at Kiva.org. Kiva, right? Yeah. Put your $25 up and see if it comes back. And the incredible thing is 97% plus return rate. They come back, Right. That's the impressive. Pay, the people pay it back. That's very impressive. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed the hell out of that. It'll be $150,000 in a minute. I'm a big fan of not letting credit cards. Because, I mean, when you look at it, a lot of credit card debt is... All interest. It's all interest. And so it becomes modern-day indentured servitude. Totally. You know, where you are just... You become a slave to this company that is, uh, hey, we paid for you back then, yeah. and now you can never really pay it in real time because the interest stays ahead of what you can pay back. Yeah. And, and they always, oh, just give us the minimum amount. It's yeah. just fine. Of course. You sit around, you pay it off in 81 years. Exactly. There's two things that made me crazy, credit cards and student loans. Yeah. Why do we not allow the students to borrow the money interest-free right. from the fucking Federal Reserve? Right. Why does that have to be three people in between, each getting 3%, chasing them, or the other one I really like, have you heard of the 3% concept? No, what's that? We'll pay for college, and you pay 3% of what you earn for the next 20 years. If you work at McDonald's... That's what you got, right. If you turn into Bill Gates... Right. It doesn't matter either way at 3%. Right. But that would be enough to pay for everybody's school. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's under pressure. It's ridiculous. It's almost like this society doesn't want our children 
to move forward and, and do well. You know, it was uh, under the administration of uh, good old Ronald Reagan when things, uh, they went, they were, prior to Reagan, there were more scholarships than student loans. Post-Reagan, it became overwhelmingly more student loans than scholarships. Well, did he wreck the state first? Because I haven't heard tales like back in the 70s, any kid who graduated high school with B's, there was a slot at you for a California right, school. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that changed quite dramatically, yes. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting... And I mean, you can even be like ultra-conservative about it and say, okay, you get a student loan from the government with an interest, but the interest is just inflation. That's so that fine. the That's government fair. doesn't lose money by giving it to you in today and you pay back in 20 years when that money is worth a fraction of what it is today. Just inflation. Yeah. You know, that way is like it covers the cost. It, it covers it. You're good with that. Or even a tiny percentage. I'm even okay yeah. with that. What I cannot stand anymore is these middlemen mm-hmm. that are just scooping up and yep. holding people hostage. It's not even their money. That's why one thing that I recommend to everyone is laser pointers <laughs> that, that we'll way. get to that in a minute find every conceivable way not to end up with credit card debt because it sucks oh yeah because it's serious slavery after that a younger version of me fresh with my new house my $76,000 house right uh, I ran $17,000 up yep because I had now two kids with a third on the way and we needed a refrigerator for our new house yep. and it started there and I just got on this cycle and you know, you want to provide for everybody. Sure. And it was an easy way. And before you know, it took me seven years to pay that down. I know. And it's, yeah, when you think about what you probably paid back. 42000 Are you serious? Yeah. You Over borrowed seventeen and, and pay back almost more than double. Jesus Christ. But when you figure those things are 22%, you know, you go out five years. That's 100% yeah. in five years. No, that's what I mean. That's what it's I mean. Criminal. Is, um, it's usury. Yeah, it's obscene. It I think really that's is. That's why they don't like the Quran because usury is right. not allowed, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, again, there, there's something to, you know, you want to have a banking system where people make a profit by lending you money. I get that. But this is way beyond that point. You know, this is the profits involved are, are obscene. Because really, what the, you are relying on the fact that people make, they are in tight spots, they make bad financial choices, and you squeeze them for all they got. Isn't that crazy? And then you squeeze some more. And uh, it really is like, oh, you have nothing right now, I'll pay for whatever, and now you're my indentured servant for the next seven years. Yeah. You know? Not cool. I'm learning from my farming stuff. There's not, I, John Deere makes more money off of the loans on their tractors than they do selling tractors. Right. Because there's a banker man out there that is perfectly happy with three quarters of the farmers of America being indentured servants or serfs oh, yeah. out on their fucking tractors trying to make it work so they can pay the banker man his money back. Yeah, that's it's, the gig. I don't know. Are we? Are we this will be the last one. People are going to listen to this like these hippie fools. No, but that's the thing. Like to me, okay, let's make it, let's put the accent on the radar and uh, fuck these guys who are exploiting everybody on the, what you can do. I'm really fascinated with the idea, like, for example, Chinese immigrants, when they came to California in the, during the gold rush, nobody would give them a loan because of largely racism. And so what they created were, were known as mutual aid societies, where everybody put a little money on, and if you need a loan, you get a loan. If the society believes that your business can succeed, but you need something to start it, they give you the loan with minimal interest, 
so that you can start your business and pay it back and not be a slave to a bank. Well, never mind that they don't give it to you anyway because of racism, but even if you could, like you're a slave. So doing things like that where you can find... Now, a lot of this is based on responsibility. You need to have a track record of you do pay back people who help you. You do need to show the fact that when you are taking something is because you're also going to give back because the whole system of course collapse if you have people who are like take 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 and don't put in the work to give it back so you do need it's really based on basically being honorable and decent human beings which of course is a sketchy concept when you make it big enough sometime right because there are plenty of people who are going to game any system and figure out ways but there's always going to be those people though. but again that's why you want to show that's why, you know, a mutual aid society is not going to give money to anybody. Is you're going to give money if they show that you do seem to have what it takes to be trusted, you know. And then, of course, you take a chance. But ideally, you limit how much of a chance it is and more is like this person is good. They have a great idea. They have shown in the past that they are responsible. Let's give it a shot, you know. Let's, uh, and, and I like that because then you... You know, whether it is friends helping out friends so that they are not in debt uh, or get something started without relying on a 20% loan kind of thing or or even do things for yourself where the choice is to cut corners not to be in debt. Like I give you an example. When I went, I really couldn't afford UCLA when I went to UCLA. And I saw so what I did was, especially because I was paying no resident tuition, by being Ooh. a foreigner. So it was like four times the tuition of the regular UCLA student, right? There's, what, do you, what do you think it is now, 20 years later? I don't even want to know. I mean, a it was... billion dollars probably. in a week. So I couldn't afford it, right? So what I did was I stayed in community college until I couldn't take any more units, right? It's like I paid minimally like the community college stuff so that I transfer with the maximum amount of possible transfer. So the amount of the amount of units I have to take at UCLA is already being reduced by more than half. It's probably like a third by the time I'm, I get there. And only the good classes at that point. Right. What you and really want to sure. do, you know, get your English and your, and your geometry and all that shit out of the way. And then the other gig that was interesting is UCLA had a system by you pay by quarter. If you are full time, full time can mean 12 units. Full time can mean 30 20, units. Hell yeah. Load them up. It's up to you. So what I would do is like, I would be like, okay, go. It's only 12 weeks. It's only 12 weeks. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, yeah, their quarter was 10 weeks long plus final. So 11 weeks total. So it's like, okay, the next 11 weeks are going to be fucking insane. Yeah. Okay. But I'm going to be. two for one on this. Exactly. But <laughs> I've done quarters where rather than taking the 12 unit thing, I would take 24. So I'm doubling up. Now, I'm so wiped out by the end that sometimes I would take a leave of absence for a quarter, right? It's like the next okay. three months I'll do... you it in the same amount of time. Exactly. And half the money. Exactly, that's the idea. No, I can't recommend the community college. Boy, have we learned that. And it's working great at our house. And even that, there are little tweaks, right? You want to take a bunch of units. You know, if you take... 24 units of real hard classes you go insane yeah so what you do is like you i took every conceivable independent study i could right because that's a little easier because it's a topic you care about you arrange it with a single professor it makes it so much easier i would take classes that i knew would be really hard if i could afford it i take them pass no pass where i can get a c and it's fine 
and that way I don't need to push to the limit to try to have a high GPA. I can, as long as I'm coasting along, we're good. So you take one class credit, no credit. Another one is an independent study. So now you already cut it down dramatically to a more manageable level, the hard, the ones that you have to do well and you have to have a high grade in. And, and with stuff. online stuff now, it makes it even a little easier too, I would think. Online is so funny, man. I mean, I can't bitch about it because my life has been made so much easier by teaching online. But I see some, like, I would bet that half of the people taking online classes are not really taking on, like, they pay somebody else to do it for them. Oh, I didn't think of that. And never mind the fact that I think also some of the professor, they pay somebody else to correct. So I think it's like nobody's really who they say they are online. And there's some, That's a bummer. Uh, See, and, there's those people. They always got to be gaming the system. Yeah. I mean, some people do it, right? And it's convenient because you do it on your own. You don't have to be in class at that particular time of the day. So you may be able to have your job and all of that. But yeah, it's an interesting... Um, it can't be as good. There's just something about being in that yeah. classroom and the interaction and the other folks. And, and even that, it's tricky, right? Because the shitty class with a professor who's obnoxious, you're so much better off taking it online. But an exciting one with cool people in the class and the professor was fun and nice, of course, it's better to be in person. So it really depends on which one you're talking about. It's, you funny, know? it's funny how memory goes, because when I was just saying that foolishly, it was the great classes and the good professors and the, one, the ones that came to mind. I was telling Ethan just last night that uh, you kind of forget that that first year of college is a lonely, sort of awkward, sometimes frightening, definitely depressing yep. transition. But I forgot all about that, because by the time I was a senior, it was up and running, and it was a blast. Right. And it's just funny what you remember yeah totally so i have a question with all this transfer if we went to get your degree right now is there something in the corner that says this is only 42 percent ucla degree and no they, the they do have degree, yeah, isn't it? they do have a minimum that they want you to take For at sure. ucla otherwise it doesn't count i think like back then i don't know what it is now but back then the quarter units are a little different than semester so semester usually i think 120 units is a graduation yeah. quarter is 180. i believe you could take 105 elsewhere and 75 inside ucla and that's good enough and your gpa gets erased when you transfer you know, like from so uh, community college, at, at yeah, UCLA. your GPA is only going to count the UCLA one, right? Really? So you could have the best GPA in the world in community college, but you start with a 0, 0.0 when you go at, at UCLA, right? It's like that GPA is only as good as getting you in. But then what they actually count for your GPA that shows up in your transcript is only the last 75 units or whatever many that you do at. That seems plenty fair. Which was Totally fine by me. Yeah. So I did my 105 at Santa Monica College to make it cheaper. And then the last 75, I packed them all in four quarters. So I'm not paying, you know, that insane amount of money for years in a row. It's over four quarters spread out with leave of absences so I can make a little money in the meantime. Sure. And, and it worked. And I walked out with no student loans. <sighs> And also I was living at home because I had no money to, so, you know, it's like, there was no, so that's another thing. It's like, yeah, it would be nice to have your own place and do this and that, but it's like, yeah, not going to happen because I don't have the money for it. Well, it's just amazing how cheap it was 25 years ago too. I think a semester at Middle Tennessee State was 800 bucks. Serious? That cheap? Wow. Super cheap. 
like the room and board was more than anything. Right, right, right. But, you know, if you apply yourself and learn what you want to learn in the classes, you're getting your money's worth. And again, this is just an example, okay? The point is not to say this is the way. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't for you. The point, and this only applies to education, And but the general point is figure out ways, cutting corners every which way, to be able to afford the stuff that you put money down for. And uh, whether it is getting help from friends rather than from a bank, so you're not really affording it, but you're not going in real debt either. You're doing it through family or friends, that works. Or whether it is because like what I did with the education thing, you cut every conceivable corner there is to make it more affordable. Or whether, but basically limit dramatically this very American notion of I'm just going to take a loan. It's like, uh, there's something cool about being able to do that because that means many people who can't afford to start something, they will be able and maybe you will be successful and it's going to work. But the danger is so damn high because once you are heavily in debt, now you, now you can't afford to make any mistakes. You can't afford to take a break. You can't afford to get sick because you have to pay this thing back as quickly as humanly possible so as not to drown in debt. <sighs> and so that becomes the, I mean, in some cases you have to, but the least possible in your life. And think of every conceivable strategy before you go down that route. But what about your credit score? You can't have good credit if you don't have credit. Well, but that's the thing. Like, for example, I use my credit card. And you pay it off at the end I've of the month. I've never... I've never gone one month without paying the full balance. Yeah, you know? must hate that. Yeah, because it's like, now your credit is awesome, and you ha they haven't made one dime of you, ever. There are actually credit cards with which they lost money because they give you, like, rewards oh, you for know. every so much money you spend. You are the exception, not the rule, for yeah, certain. Yeah, of course. Especially in these tough times, there's so many people that, you know, after 2008, nobody really recovered unless you were stock heavy and uh well one thing uh, on a different episode we should go heavy into it because it's a book that i i want to discuss more than just this example but one thing that was very formative for me when i was about 16 years old i read this book by abby hoffman entitled steal, steal this, this book. book yes and it contains legal and illegal ways to get by with the least possible amount of money now, 99% of the stuff that's in that book was, even by the time I read it, was no longer applicable because some of the system on which he relied had changed, some of the, his little tricks were no longer... But it didn't matter. It wasn't so much about he taught me, broke down step one, two, three of what I could do to make it happen. It's more the spirit. And it gave me ideas. You know, it made me think outside the box of like, okay, I need to get this thing. How do I do it? When I, like, I give you an example. There's a shitload of stuff that I own that I never paid for, and not for illegal reasons. Because uh, uh, one thing I did, like growing, you know, growing up, having a passion for martial arts, I wanted to read certain books or get back when DVDs were it. You know, you get. So what did I do? I was a good enough writer that I could write for martial art magazines who pay you nothing. 
but I could write the publisher of such and such saying, hey, I got you guys a review on this magazine, full page and so on. Can you send it to me for free? Of course, Bing. free publicity, here you go. <laughs> so I would own like hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars worth of products because I review them. And I am never paid. It was good for these guys because they got publicity and I'm sure it sold them some copies and it was good for me in doing that. So I was like, so that's what I mean. Like even the Abby Hoffman thing is not all like shady legal. There's that too, but you know, whatever choices you want to make. But there are also ways that are like, okay, products reviews or, you know, he has like 10,000 of these ideas. And again, most of them are no longer applicable, but it gets your... It gets your neurons firing off thinking, how can I get this without going the traditional route of pulling out my credit card and paying for it? You know, what other ways are there to get it done? And the ideal one is where everybody benefits, like the review one. Yeah. You know, that's ideal. Sometimes it doesn't work that way, but there are other times when it does. So it's, uh, I don't know, I'm a big fan of... Uh, uh, reading still this book was just so fun. Things were easier pre-internet. Sure, but again, yes. At the time, things right. weren't easier pre-internet. Yeah, and also print in the post-internet, there's also stuff that you can do online that you couldn't do before. For sure. So the kind of stuff that you can tap into today, whereas before you needed to have a physical presence, now you can expand the range of things you can do in other directions. So I don't know. It's uh, it's double-edged for certain. It is, and uh, but but I really think it's important not to be lazy about it and take the way to go about it is just pull out your credit card and get in debt, because that's dangerous, very dangerous. So thinking if there's any other way before you go down that path is better. Sometimes you will have to go down that path anyway, but. Not a bad idea to start with the plan B first. Watching these kids in Hong Kong? Yeah. How about the laser pointers? Oh, yeah. What's the way the laser pointers? They show up. Everybody's got one. Mm -hmm. The police show up. They hit them with 4,000 laser pointers and blind them. Oh. And make their escape. Oh, I They're see. They're taking drones down with them. Wow. Helicopters come in. They blind the pilots. Certainly, laser pointers are going to be completely illegal. Of course. Very shortly. Yeah. But these methods that they're coming up, everyone, like the, the deal with the umbrellas so nobody could be identified by the cameras was genius. Right. Um, some sort of saran wrap to protect you from the, the tear gas. Right. And I saw, I'm not quite sure how it works, but apparently they said, everybody bring three bricks. So when they set up in the street, they put these little, look like stone hinges. Yeah. And then when they made their escape, the police couldn't follow them. Of course. Because they'd knock them all over and you were walking on random bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They really are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably all going to get shot like Tiananmen yeah. Square Scouts. I mean, what do we do when that goes down? Yeah. Chinese government. They're not going to take it much longer. Out of all the forces out there that are really fucking scary. I mean, it's like, man, Chinese government doesn't fuck around and they have so much muscle. 
But yeah, you get Tiananmen Square and nobody says anything because it's like, oh, that was bad. You shouldn't have. Uh, we'll cut trade with you. I'm, I meant do what you got to do by all means. Damn, those, those people were bad. Yeah, it's like they can do whatever they want, anytime they want with no repercussion. It doesn't seem to be showing up all over. Is it Brazil right now as well? Yeah, I mean, Chinese government always like take it to the 10th power, right? It's yeah, but like they've they put up with like six or seven months of this, which seems I know. unbelievable. I know. Because I did see they paraded through. Um, they weren't in their rag or anything, but it was like Chinese regulars uh, with brooms. And they were cleaning up the streets in massive yeah. numbers just yeah. to be like, yeah, these, these don't have are, to be brooms. Yeah, I I'm mean, sure even, there's a Footlocker somewhere where even Tiananmen there was a build up before the crackdown. Yeah, you know, it wasn't right away. It's like there was uh, there was some PR that needed to be done before you could massacre them all. I always heard, and this could have just been scuttlebutt and bullshit, but they pulled troops from northern China. Yeah. that didn't have the Speak same the language. language. Yep, absolutely. And just told them they're crazy and they're sick yep. and they have this disease and there's nothing we can do. We got. Yep. So that's the ways they you, they couldn't have communication with the protesters. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's that's evil genius. No, right those there. guys are. It's funny too because I noticed like a lot of my Chinese students uh, in their essays and stuff. They are so much more willing to embrace extremely authoritarian worldviews than um, than average in US. You know, when it comes to individual right, most of my Chinese students don't give a fuck. They're like. The state knows best. Uh, state need to enforce certain standards, otherwise chaos ensues. And it's like, and you get it. I mean, you understand their logic. Well, it sure. makes sense. When it grows up, don't want your family to disappear. There's lots of great reasons, but yeah, are, are we a part of a massive failed experiment? And it's all going to go back to medieval style. Nine people have everything, and the rest of us just obey. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like that's what I feel like they're dialing in on us right now. Right. They want us to be more like China, more like Russia and bend the fuck over and do what you're told. And granted, there'll be a whole bunch of us flipping them off and put up against the wall, but they'll reach a point. But the Chinese model is one model and it's effective. But also the other one is the bread and circus one, right? It's just uh, give you the illusion of freedom, uh, give you entertainment. And in the meantime, just fuck you over in every conceivable way economically. And as long as I'm making money, if you want to feel that's in even in some ways brilliant system because you have people who are like, I am so free while they are drowning in every dead system created everything to... I can buy 51 different flavors of jelly with exactly. my credit card. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, that, that works too in a different way, you know. In a, That's crazy. I yeah. don't know. But in any case, so I don't, I don't, I don't. homework for you guys, figure out ways. I wouldn't say live for free because nobody can live for free, but to live with the minimal reliance on money possible and get the stuff you want without falling into debt. That's as important as it ever gets. I know we have to get you out the door, but I've had, this is my craziest plan of the week or of the month. And I just thrown it out on the internet just to see what the possibilities were mm-hmm. like. And I was pondering, what do we all actually have that everybody has that has a value but is not expensive? And that is our time. Sure. What if every fifth week you could dedicate to doing what you wanted to do to put things forward? You want to help clean up the ocean. Sure, sure. If you want to go. Right. See, and I know we talked about before, like the wasted potential of, oh, you can do your internship or things like that. 
But and I'm not a fool. I realize that at best you might get six or seven out of ten that would actually participate in this. Sure. But if you had, you know, a fifth of the population every week getting involved and doing things that they found important, what incredible things we could get done. Yeah. You know, three hundred and sixty million yeah. people divide you know, that's it's a lot. That's a lot. Yep. It's seventy million a week off doing something. Yep. And why not, you know, these corporations don't want to pay any taxes? Okay, you don't have to pay any taxes, but you'll finance that week. Right, absolutely. And now you actually are paying for something. Yeah. The good that could be done seems to be incredible. Yeah. And I know there's probably a thousand reasons why it wouldn't work, but what if it did work? Well, and that's the thing. Is like what's interesting is figuring out, you know, having to try different experiments, right? Because the reality is that good solutions are hard to come by. For sure. So what's important is... Try some that looks promising. Oh, that didn't work. Why? Can we tweak it or should we abandon it? Okay, next. You know, and um, it beats the alternatives. So the same old thing ain't working. There you go. One long crazy episode. Yes. Music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taos podcast. A, a structureless, just outpouring of insanity. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, we did no, you know, we usually break it up in different sections. We don't. It's just one big, long conversation. We had a lot to talk about. Yes, fun <laughs> stuff. Quick thank you to a few folks who donated. Let the pottery begin. Thank you to Mr. Nicola Togni. Andrius Giovaisa, Samuele Rodelli, and Jim D'Amico. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's very sweet. If you want to join this list of people in Donatis Sum, it's always deeply appreciated. The usual. So, again, quick thank you to Onnit.com, uh, Shore Design, Grassland Beef, uh, Snow Roast, and Never Tap Gear. Onnit is our big sponsor. Everybody else is either sending us product or they are just sweet people or something. So we appreciate them. Uh, check them out. If you can use any of their products, it's deeply appreciated for you to check them out through our links, which are in the episode notes at thedrunkentaoist.com. Amazon link also you can find that if you do some holiday shopping, please use the Amazon link. It helps us a bunch. We mentioned Kiva in the open. I think we're good. Anything else we have left to discuss? I think we did it. I guess thank you to Daisy House for the music. And I wish you guys a wonderful day. Bye. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo!
I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. What?